following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Y'all must think we have ice cream after service tonight or something. Lord, what a beautiful crowd. You happy to be here? Amen. What a joy. Uh, I am honored and humbled that you're here tonight. I never get over this church's uh, beauty of wanting to be in the house of God. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in the sanctuary. There's no place like the sanctuary. God's house is a house of peace. It's a house of joy, and it's a house where hands off from the enemy. It's a sanctuary. There's no hunting here. Hell can't hunt here. You got to get out there for hell to hunt. He ain't going to hunt in here. Not here. It's a sanctuary. It's an off-limits place for the world and the enemy. God love your hearts. What a joy to see you. And uh, what, a, what an honor it is to be able to preach again. I, I tell you what, after hearing two Wednesday nights of Reed and then hearing Brad, Lord God, last Sunday... I had, to go to the, I had to go to the mirror today and practice preaching a little bit more. <laughs> Did those pups bring it? Did they bring it or what? Are they incredible? Somebody told me that he had, he, that's the best sermon he had heard in a year in this church, and I preached 90% of the time. <laughs> and you know what I said, and I agree with you, sir. If you did not hear Pastor Brad on Sunday morning, you need to go hear that podcast. Or It's still, it's still on Facebook. It's still on, uh, on TV, so you can look at it and, and check it out. What a joy to hear the executive pastor of this church preach with such a fervor. We're in a series called The Big Life, and Sunday I'm going to preach the conclusion of the whole thing, and I'm going to tell you what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about praying real big. It's time for your prayers to get, quit being this little and start being this big. It's time for prayers to be big. We're going to have a great time here Sunday. And you're going to enjoy it. Would you mind standing one more time? We just like to do calisthenics, you know. And while you're standing, we have a precious lady in the house. Last Friday, just a few days ago, five days ago, we laid to rest one of my heroes in this church. Harold Deal was the real deal. He was special. He was kind. He was precious. He loved people. I really... I'd have to ask Joyce, but I really didn't see any faults in him because he was just that kind of a person. But he's gone on, but I knew that very soon after he passed, his widow would be here, and Joyce is in the house tonight. So would you give a hand to Joyce Deal tonight? We love Joyce. We love Joyce. Because one thing has she desired of the Lord, and that will she seek after, that she may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of her life. I, I told in Harold's funeral that if we'd had a frog hopping contest around here, they'd have been here with their frog. And they would have competed in the frog hopping contest. What a joy to have saints like that that love God's house. Enjoy us our prayers, sweetheart, are with you. We love you. We honor you tonight. And if you're a guest for the first time tonight, we honor you also. What a joy. I'm taking off my watch. I'm taking off my watch. You know what this means? Nothing. All right? All right. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor. 
Everybody say, Pastor. Pastor. Teach the Word to us tonight. Let it touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Teach the Word to us tonight. Let it touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Teach the Word to us tonight. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. I'm speaking tonight on this. I'm starting a series tonight on this subject, In Need of a Hand. In Need of a Hand. You know where we are. We're moving forward. We're starting this beautiful, beautiful building program. And I'm excited about it. Sometimes I get so excited I start crying. Sometimes I get so excited I start leaping and jumping. In my office, of course, you don't see it. Sometimes I just kind of walk around my desk and say, God, is this really happening? And God said, it's happening, son. And to see this beautiful crowd, when we get in that building, that'll seat 16 to 1,700 on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, and see what's going to happen in that building, it's beyond compare to what we are seeing right now. Because the greatest days of this church are still to come. They really are. You may be seated. God bless you. God bless you. There's a picture I'm going to show you of Matthew Scott. He's a clinical coordinator and a paramedic, and he lives in New Jersey. Let me explain what Matt can do with his left hand. He can pour water. He can tie his shoes. He can play drums. He can screw a nut on a boat. He can even throw the opening pitch in the Philadelphia Phillies baseball opening game. Matt can do all these things, and he does it with a hand that is not his own. See, Matthew lost his left hand years ago when a huge firecracker exploded in it. And he used a prosthetic device for many years. And then he heard of a group of doctors in Louisville, Kentucky, who were attempting a hand transplant. And they needed a volunteer, and Matt volunteered. And the hand donor was found, and Matt became the first successful hand transplant recipient. Here's a simple truth. Matt needed a hand, and he received a hand. The truth is hard for us to realize, because many times we rely too much on our own hands. See, we operate with an illusion that if we can't do it, it can't be done. And we convince ourselves of our own ability and our own ingenuity. Sometimes trying hard is not the answer. Sometimes you need someone to give you a hand. What I call that extra hand. And I believe I know somebody that can help us with that tonight. Ezekiel 43 said, And these are the measures of the altar after the cubits. The cubit is a cubit and a hand breadth. A cubit was a unit of measurement in Bible days, folks. Two types of cubits were found in the Scripture. There was what they called the cubit of man, or the standard cubit, Deuteronomy chapter 3 and verse 11. It was measured by the width of six hands. And then there was a royal or a sacred cubit, which we read about right here in Ezekiel 43. And the difference between the two is a hand's breadth or an extra hand. In, the wor- in man's world, six hands will do, but when it comes to building something for God, an extra hand is always needed. 
Tonight we read from Ezekiel. He was a young priest that was carried into Babylonian captivity. His story opens with a great vision of God in the first chapter of his book. While others hung their harps on willows and could not sing the song of the, uh, uh, of the land in a strange land. He stood there and had visions of God. They could not worship unless things were just right. The climate had to be perfect. The GPS coordinates had to be exact, but not Ezekiel. He saw the heavens open, and he had visions of God. Can I say something? It doesn't matter if you're in a junkyard. If you've got a heavenly vision in your life, you can look up and see the glory of God no matter where you're standing. God told Abraham in Genesis 13, lift up your head from where you are. I think it's time, no matter where you are tonight, to lift up your head and start seeing the things that God has for you in your life. Can you clap your hands for that? And Ezekiel, when he lifted his eyes, he had a vision of God, and that vision lasted a long time. See, it would be a long time before he got in, saw God in a similar fashion. But in his final vision, he saw God the way he had seen him the first time. The vision of four living beasts, a wheel within a wheel. And above it all, he saw the ancient of days. He saw him. These identical visions of God formed the bookends to Ezekiel's prophetic ministry. He saw God high and lifted up in the beginning. And he saw God high and lifted up in the ending. Would to God that could be said for all of us. Can I stop right here and say, do you remember the night you got saved? Everybody was beautiful. Everybody was splendid. Now it's been 30 years since you've been saved. Can you still look and see everybody is beautiful and everybody is splendid? It's time that we renew ourselves to the time when God found us and the time when we found him. Oh, the joy of knowing Jesus for the first time. And now we can clap our hands and say, oh, the joy of knowing Jesus for 25 or 30 years. Come on, clap your hands and rejoice to the fact that he is the same in our life today. Ezekiel's last vision involved Israel's future. I'm going to talk to you. Number one, he saw the restoration of the people in Ezekiel 37. The dry bones lived. You remember that story. Number two, he saw the nations rise up against Israel in chapter number 38. Gog and Magog. In, chap in number three, he saw the Lord rise up against the forces fighting against Israel in chapter 39. Number four, he sees the new Jerusalem and a new temple in chapter 40. And then he sees an angel bent on measuring everything about it. Close to the end of Ezekiel's vision, we see a description of the altar in chapter 43. God tells Ezekiel that it would not be built according to the ordinary cubit. Because this is God's house. But a royal or a sacred cubit. That word cubit from Latin is cubitum. And in the Hebrew, amah, it refers to a portion of a man's arm from the elbow to the fingertips. That is a cubit. The distance is equal to six hands breaths, six of them. All right. Think about this. When it comes to building God an altar, the basis of measurement comes from a man's arm because God requires human involvement 
when an altar's built in his house. He doesn't just want something here for you to kneel at. He wants you to be kneeling at something that is here. There's something powerful about the altar of God. Abraham built seven of them. Lot never built one. Lot walked away to the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham stood strong and became the father of faith. If you're going to have faith in your life, you need to be an altar builder in your life. If you're going to have a walk with God, you need to build an altar. Come on, somebody help me preach right now. You're going to need an altar in your life. God, give us an altar building attitude in our spirit. I love our early morning prayers. I love our prayers that are given to God early. We had a 21-day prayer in January, and it kick-started this year so beautifully. And then during the Holy Week, we had five days of prayer. And it was during that five days in the middle day on Wednesday that God spoke to me about the continuance of what he wants to do in this church. And I am on a journey right now to tell you as much as I can of what he shared with me. But I will tell you this, that he is the resurrection right now. Hallelujah. He has never just been resurrected past tense. He is the resurrection. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you need something on this Wednesday night, if you need a healing in your body, he is the resurrection right now. If you need deliverance in your life, he is the resurrection right now. If you need salvation in your life, he is the resurrection right now. If you need a problem worked out on your job, he is the resurrection right now. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. Can you clap your hands and say amen to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Mm. Hallelujah. God requires human involvement. The measurement of Noah's ark was based on a cubit, a man's arm. The salvation of Noah's family required that Noah get personally involved. Dad and mom, can I talk to you just a moment? Your kids need to see you still pray. Your children need to see you still come to church, not bring them and drive off and come back after you've gone and eaten someplace else. Your kids need to see you lift your hands and worship that God. Your kids need to see you walk around talking about heavenly things, not all the time worldly things. Dad and mom, detachment will not lead to deliverance in your home. You have to have an attachment. You have to have an availability. You have to have a connection with the other world. There has to be something in you that says, I'm going to build my family a boat and we're going to get in it. And when the storm comes, we're going to pitch it within and without. And this boat that I'm in is going to float. Lord, I could almost preach tonight if I tried. God used portions of a man's arm to measure items in the temple. Worship requires man's involvement. Altars require man's involvement. The twin pillars of Solomon's temple, Jachin, which means it in God is direction. And Boaz, in God is strength. The twin pillars of Solomon's temple that graced the temple's entrance. That when you walked into the temple, you knew that you was going to find strength there. You knew you was going to find direction there. 
And the thickness or the gauge of the metal in these brass columns was a hand's breadth or four fingers. Jeremiah chapter 52 and 21. And the crown above the altar was the height of a span. A span is the distance between the outstretched thumb and the little finger. And two span equals a, a cubit. So what am I saying? Man's involvement in worship was required. But when it came time to build an altar, God said in effect, don't use the ordinary cubit. Six hand breaths are not enough. Add one more hand, not six, but seven. Not six, but seven. When you build something to honor me, I don't want you to use just six. I don't want it to be ordinary. I want it to be extraordinary. I want you to have seven hands breath. Why? Because God knew a day would come when the temple would not be comprised of wood and stone, but of human beings, living stones. And he knew our arms would not be enough. We would need another hand on top of our hand. See, our ability goes far, but only so far. We don't go as far as we need to go. That's why when we lift our hands, we need another hand to come and touch our hands. And that's the hand I'm talking about. Anybody in need of a hand tonight? Come on. Anybody need a hand in the house? When you lift your hands, you're not just doing it out of a normalcy. You're doing it because you know there's another hand on top of your hand. And it'll reach the heavens like you can't reach the heavens by yourself. Clap your hands and rejoice in that right now. Anybody in need of a hand? Hanging in the NASA Johnson Space Center is a mural that shows man's methods of conveyance. First is a wagon, and then there's a Model T, then there's a primitive airplane, and then there's a space shuttle. There's a picture. The painting is captioned in one man's lifetime. The transportation explosion happened in one man's lifetime. What about the information explosion? World knowledge has mushroomed. It took 1,500 years from Jesus to Da Vinci for the knowledge to double. The next doubling came in 250 years, and then next came, the next came in 1900 or 125 years. Then again in 1950, 50 years. Then, then again it doubled in, the, in 1960, 10 years. And in the 80s, knowledge doubled every two or three years, and in the 90s, every 18 months. Now it's estimated knowledge doubles every six months in our society. Man's effort can go so far. Man can split the atom. Man can map DNA and break through the law of gravity. All are within man's reach. But when it comes to building something for God, man's hands are always short. Man's arms can't reach far enough. It cannot be there. The Tower of Babel could not reach the heavens without God's help. But God fashioned an altar in the temple that could reach him. I want to stop and say right now, we're fixing to start. We're going to be breaking ground here not long, probably in about the next two months. We're going to be breaking ground on a new property. And I want to say I'm happy for that. But I want to stop right now. I want to stop right now and say like men of old and say like men in that Bible, God, if you don't walk with us, we can't do it. If you don't give us that extra hand, we can't do it. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by his spirit, saith the Lord. And God, we're going to do everything we can. 
but would you please give us a hand? Would you please help us? Because God, I don't want to do this by ourselves. I want us to have supernatural activity around this place. I want us to see things that we've never seen before. I want us to witness miracles we've never noticed before. I want God's word to pass through us. I want his spirit to lift us. I want his glory to elevate us. I want us to be, oh, hallelujah. God, we need your help. This is a pastor crying out for your help. We need your help in building what we need to build for your glory. Man was made on the sixth day. Man's number is six, one shorter perfection. 666 is the man of sin's number. Shorter perfection by 111. Man's cubit was made of six hands breaths. God's cubit was made of seven. Six is not enough. Man's efforts are not enough. The answer is not all within us. God designs it that we need someone to lend us a hand. Can I tell you, you need help from the outside. We all do. Say, Pastor, I need some help in my life. I want to give you three instances in which heaven gave the answer in the form of a man's hand. The first is in 1 Kings chapter 18. And he said to the servant, Elijah said, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. When it comes time for the miraculous, we're going to need God's help. Can somebody open their mouth and say, God... We can't do the miraculous. We need you to help us with that miraculous. It's you that turn water into wine. Come on. It's you that can raise the dead. It's you that can open blind eyes. It's you that can heal the sick. It's you, you that can heal the leper. It's you that can speak the word of healing. It's you that can calm the storm. It's you that can speak to the ways of life. When we need a miracle, we're going to need another hand. We need another hand. Come on, go again. Go again. Go again. Go again. Don't stop until you see a hand of God in your future. Miracles are just that. They're divine interventions outside the law of nature and above the ability of man. There's times, Dr. Taylor, I have felt so dry. The desire that I had was unreachable. The feelings of failure have gripped me in my life. But God, who is rich in mercy, has come. And he has helped me. And when God gives you a miracle, give the proper credit. Thank God for the preacher that preached. Thank God for the music that was. Thank God for a church that prayed. And for a message that stirred you. But it wasn't the preacher or the music or the crowd. It was that extra hand. Because we can't have, oh, somebody help me. We can't have the miraculous without that extra hand in our life. Come on. We got to have. 
that extra, extra hand. Give praise to whom is due. In Acts 14, there was an impotent man at Lystra. And he heard Paul speak. And Paul perceived that he had faith and he spoke to him and he was healed. And the people called Paul a God. And Paul said, no, we're not gods. We're just like you. We're just preachers. Turn from your vanities and worship God and give glory to God. Has anybody had a miracle this last year? I'm not trying to get you to be hoop and holler. Anybody had a miracle in your life? Job, business, family, home, whatever, in the school. Anybody had a miracle? Why don't you clap to the, to the voice versus of what you believe is that miracle in your life? Come on. To God be the glory. He's the one that added the extra hand. Come on. He's the one that put the extra hand in your life. Oh, hallelujah. My, 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 my. I had about a 20-minute message, but it's going to be 30. I'm sorry. The second time is Ezekiel chapter 10 and 8. And there appeared in the cherubims the form of a man's hand under their wings. And the cherubims dwell in the presence of God. Beneath their wings can be seen the form of a man's hand. Say a man's hand. hand. Folks, when it comes time for worship, you need a brother or a sister in your life. You can pray alone. You can read this Bible alone. Sometimes you can worship alone, but not all the time. At times, to reach heaven requires the help of someone else. You need... To be in corporate worship. Because every Paul needs a Silas. And every David needs a Jonathan. And every Moses needs an Aaron. You need someone. You need another hand beside yourself. I'm going to share something tonight that I've never shared with this congregation. But my, my, little, my, little, my little grandson Finley has had an eating disorder for a little while in his life. And it's gotten very, very complicated. It really has. And so, he's three years old now. He's the sweetest kid. I love him. He'll run and jump on me, and I'm not even looking. I love that kid. He knows who Bo Daddy is, and that's precious. If he don't know anybody else, he knows who I am, and that's all. But Jaron and Kate found this occupational therapist. And uh, they went, Caitlin went to her. And Caitlin went with prayer, saying, you know, I need something to give me a, an understanding that this is the person we need to see. And she's an older woman. And Kate felt comfortable when she took the little baby in the other day. And so today they went back for a consultation. And the woman, mm, the woman looked at Kate and Jaron and said, we're going to help that baby. We're going to get him out of this complication. But she said, can I ask you a question and you won't bother me with it? You won't hurt me with it? Are y'all Christians? Hang on, hang on. I see a hand coming out from under an arm here. Are y'all Christians? And Kate said, yes, we are. We're Bible-believing Christians. We go to church. We trust God. And she said, "Woo, hallelujah, let's get it on. She took them by the hand. She took them by the hand and said, in the name that's above every name, 
at the name of Jesus. This baby will come past this and he will be healed and he will get better and we will see results of victory in his life. Sometimes you need another hand in your life when it comes to worship. Sometimes you need somebody else in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to go meet that woman. I want to join hands and say yes, yes, yes. There's something about joining hands when it comes to worship. And the third time that a hand was used was in Daniel 5. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and rode over against the candlestick up on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. The king was Belshazzar. He didn't realize it, but this was judgment day. Judgment day was here. And he and his buddies were busy having a drunken brawl with the sacred vessels of the Jewish temple. And a man's hand appeared and began writing on the wall. This day you've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Now let me stop and say when it comes time for judgment... You're going to need a pastor's hand. Hebrews 13, 17 declares that I have to give an account for your soul. Because I am required to watch for your soul. I know salvation is a private affair. But one needs a pastor in his or her life. The last thing you need to do is to quit loving a man that cares for your soul. The last thing you need to do is quit loving a person that preaches to you and tells you that you can make it in this life. It was such an honor Friday to present Harold Deal to the Lord. And I presented him because I understood I had to give an account. And I said, Lord, I'm sending you a good one today. I want to say that about everybody in this house. Come on, come on. You need a man of God in your life. And let me say this, let me say this. If I don't fit that bill, go find somebody that does. Go find somebody that does. There's somebody handsomer. There's somebody that can preach better. But you'll never find anybody that will love you more than I love you right now. And I'll love you this way tomorrow. Come on. Let a man of God be in your life. Not to crown him king. I'm a servant to this house. I'm a servant to this house. I'll wash your feet. But I'm telling you, you need a preacher and a pastor in your life. I saw some beautiful people. Coming in the church tonight that I hadn't seen in a long time. And one man had tears in his eyes and he said, Pastor, we're so happy to be back. I don't care what the problem was. I didn't ask him, report to me, tell me where you've been and what's it all about. No. I hugged him and I said this statement, I don't care if you've been gone five years. When you come back here, you're going to be loved like it's the first day I ever saw you. Now folks, I'm going to tell you something. You can go to heaven from CLC. Come on, clap your hands. You can go to heaven from this church. I don't preach about this a lot, but you can go to heaven from this church. God's given us a spirit of reconciliation. I read an article of an event in Istanbul, Turkey. A sheep jumped over a cliff to his death, and in the amazement of stunned shepherds, the other sheep followed suit. 1,500 sheep ended up jumping over a cliff. 450 died. The rest managed to fall on a rising pile of dead sheep, and their fall was cushioned, and they lived. Isaiah said, we all like sheep have gone astray. We go astray and follow others. One of the saddest days of my life was back in November when I buried my pastor and I got to speak on his behalf. 
and I, I kind of felt lost. And I had to find me somebody that I could report to and honor. And I have. I have. And I thank God because God gave me a John. I was following to Paul the Apostle. The man that I loved was like Paul the Apostle. But God gave me a John that loved me. And I love him. And he's my pastor. He's a man younger than me. 45 days and he never makes me forget it. He never lets me forget it. I'm younger than you. Don't you ever forget it? And I say, yeah, and I'm your elder. Don't you ever forget that either, buddy. But he's my pastor. And I love him. Everybody needs a pastor in their life. We all like sheep. We need outside influence. The shepherd's hand. See, help comes when you reach out. And I close. Randy, if you'll help me, I'd appreciate it. The man's arm had to be extended to measure from the elbow to the fingertips. Did you understand that? A man's arm had to be extended to measure from elbow to fingertips. Only then could the seventh hand be applied. Help comes when man reaches out. On three occasions, when man reaches up, it's not enough. When judgment comes, you're going to need a pastor. When it's time to worship, you're going to need a brother or sister. And when life is more than you can bear, you're going to need God. You're going to need God. Octavius, you're my little brother and my son in the Lord. Come up here, buddy. Brad, you're about the same size of Oct. Come on up. Stay right here, son. Brad, get on this side. Brad, get on this side. Big, medium, little. Throw your hands in the air, guys. Throw your hands in the air. Here's three men standing with their hands up. It represents that we all need three things in our life. We need worshipers with us. We need God in our life. We need a pastor. And no matter what you're raising your hands for tonight, you may be raising for all three things. But I will tell you, When you stretch your hands out, that's when God can measure your cubit and can add another hand on top of yours. I feel tonight that God's going to give us a hand up. He's going to give us a hand out. He's going to give us a hand in because he's that kind of God. So Brad, Octavius, Pastor Rex, whatever we need, we've got to show that we want what God has for us. So we extend our hands. Anybody want to raise your hands in the audience? Or you're already doing it in the balcony. I love you. You're raising your hands. You're saying, I need you, Jesus. I need you more than anything in my life. A man walked in the synagogue one day and he had a withered hand. And the Lord told him, stretch forth that hand. And when he stretched it forth, God healed it. If you want healing, you got to get some praise on got to get some want in your life you got to get some heartfelt God I need you now in your life can I tell you we're not going to build anything without that seventh hand we're going to need that extension in our life we're going to need that extra hand on the cubit we need a royal or a sacred cubit not a man's cubit man can't do what we need to do but God can help us do it do you believe that and while you got your hands in the air clap them real big
I love you guys. I love you. I love you. Clap them real big. Let me have that bucket, Brad. Let me have that bucket. Let me have that bucket. There were some guys lost at sea one day. And they were dying of thirst. And a ship passed. And they said, give us water. Please give us water. And the people on the boat said, take your bucket and dip into the water. For you're not in the sea. You're at the extension of the Amazon River that flows. It flows many miles into the sea. The water is fresh beneath you. And they took their bucket, thinking that they were drowning with thirst. And they started drinking water from something that was always there. Let me tell you about your church. Let me tell you about your church, and I'm going to close. When you walk in this door Sunday, fresh water is going to be here. When you walk in this church next Sunday, next Wednesday night, fresh water is going to be here. You got something you need, dip your bucket in the, in the river and start drinking the water that only Jesus can give you. Amen. Amen. Anyone need a hand? Anyone need a hand? Come on, clap your hands real big. Clap your hands real big. Hallelujah.